What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Bleed Orange and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Before I get into what today's episode is actually going to be about, I want to make sure that I take this time to say that I really hope our guy, Patrick Ewing, is having a speedy recovery. In case you didn't know, but I'm pretty sure everybody in the Knicks community already knows that Patrick Ewing, all-time great has actually tested positive for COVID-19. I just really wanted to take this time out to say that I hope he's doing good, he's safe, he's healthy, and that's pretty much it. So for today's episode, I want to talk about some rumors that have been going around about the possibility of the NBA returning, which sounds more and more like it will return. And I really want to just give my thoughts on what the new Knicks hires could mean to the team and what my thoughts on the hires actually are. Before I get into the rumors about the NBA returning, I have to touch on something that's been going around Knicks Twitter this entire week. It has to be Mitchell Robinson's workout videos. Uh, Mitch, well, there was a video of Mitchell Robinson surfacing Twitter of him playing some pickup basketball. He was playing, I believe it's a four on four, three on three, whatever it was. I just, I just want to say, I think we really have to stop looking into all of these pickup games and these workout videos that these players upload or that surface on Twitter. Uh, first of all, during these times, I think Mitchell Robinson should be quarantined. He should be working out on his own. He shouldn't be out here, you know, playing pickup basketball four on fours. He should be working out privately on his own maybe with a private trainer if possible or even if that and also we probably should have learned our lesson already on hyping up these workout videos we saw it last season or last off season should i say with dennis smith jr he there was there was a ton of videos going around about dsj and about this improved shot and his explosiveness and just all of these great workout videos, you know, that you hope to see from a player on your team. But, of course, that didn't work out for us. DSJ had a terrible season for us. And I'm not saying Mitch is going to play real bad after all of this. But, you know, we shouldn't really be looking into these things. I don't think we should be looking into these things too much. It's just pick up basketball. The guy that was guarding him was like a foot smaller than him. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And to be real honest, I don't think that the Knicks or any NBA team for that will ever let a guy like Mitchell Robinson get the ball at the three-point line and try to take a smaller guy off the dribble. Yeah, the handles looked okay, I guess, and they looked pretty good, but it didn't look like something that you would really want to see out of your big man in the NBA. Or at least for now, or at least not for Mitchell Robinson, you know? So, until he can actually hit a consistent mid-range jumper, then I'll be... I'll start getting excited over these. But for now, uh, that's just not what I think I really want to see from Mitch. I would love for him to develop that part of his game, but I'll, I'll let that happen on his own. Now, I'm just not looking too much into these videos, and... So now back to the topics of the NBA possibly finally returning. It looks like 
we are finally getting more and more concrete information on the NBA finally returning. The designated location that it looks like this is going to take place in is going to be Orlando. There's been some rumors about the NBA possibly playing in Orlando and Vegas or maybe just Orlando or maybe just Vegas. But as of today, as of me recording this podcast on Saturday, it looks like Orlando Disney their sports complex is going to be just the main bubble, I guess is what everybody keeps saying. It's gonna, It looks like it's going to be some campus type of setting for the players, the staff, the coaches, and everybody involved with the team to make sure that everybody is safe. I want to make sure to say that if the NBA really does return, which it looks like it might, it looks like they're talking about possibly returning uh, mid-July or maybe towards the end of July. I hope that the NBA and the league does everything possible in order to make this the safest return to basketball for the players, for the coaches, and just everybody involved within all of these teams. I know it's a little selfish for us as fans to say, I want basketball back, but we got to think about these are actually people's lives that we're talking about. There have been a lot of different rumors on how the NBA might actually return. They've been thinking about maybe not all 30 teams will go to Orlando to compete for the remainder of the season. These are some different, you know, these are just some different rumors that have been going around or different proposals, I guess, that the NBA has given out to teams. Some proposals might be going straight into the playoffs and these playoff teams, the one through eight from each conference play some games that they will be able to, I guess, you know, just get back into game shape because, you know, it's been two months. There's been other proposals of possibly having some play-in tournaments. These are a little bit more intriguing because then you're talking about having maybe teams that are seated from like seven to ten playing one of these play-in tournaments and then they will be competing for the last two seeds, which would be the seventh and the eighth seed. Obviously, that won't include the Knicks. The Knicks would be excluded from those tournaments or those type of games that the NBA might be planning. I I did see, actually, that there might be another proposal that was being lobbied around, which included having all the teams that are seated ninth through 12 and having them play i i see this a little bit more as like major league baseball where they have like the wild cards those teams will play in the tournament in a mini tournament where the the team that wins out of that tournament will be able to compete in order to have one of those playoff spots i think this is intriguing i really like it it's it's good for basketball and it's good for the viewership you know because if they go back of course there's going to be no fans and i do think that this is something that i would personally be into whether it's 9 through 12 or 7 through 10 seeds regardless of the fact whether or not all teams go back to playing I think it's very important for me to say that the Knicks, if they go back to playing, they need to try to lose every game that they could lose. It's They need to stay the course. We're not a good team. We can't risk our draft odds. I know the, the new drafting system is going against 
you know, teams tanking and stuff. But the lower the odds you can get, the lower seed you can get, and the higher odds you can get at a top, say, top four pick, the better place you're, you're in for the Knicks. We need to be able to draft a player that's going to actually come in and contribute for us. I don't, I'm tired of the Knicks choosing like, you know, six pick, seven pick, eighth pick. Then, you know, I, 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 it just makes no sense for us to really go back into the season or whatever remainder of the season the NBA plans for us or for the rest of the league and for the Knicks to try to win as many games as possible. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I think the Knicks should just continue to tank and continue to just try to get the best possible outcome for all of this, you know? If we could get LaMelo Ball in this upcoming draft, that's something that we need to do. Now, considering the draft and just what's best for the Knicks, this is a great segue, I guess, into the next portion of this episode where I want to really take a look at Leon Rose and the hires that he's made since he became the president of basketball operations for the Knicks. I think it, it it looks like we're starting to see a bit more about what Leon Rose might really want for the team. I know that it's nothing concrete yet. We're kind of just speculating and guessing here what he really might want. But he did make three hires so far into the front office. The first one was Brock Aller. He brought him over from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The second one was Walt Perrin. He brought him over from the Utah Jazz. And Frank Zanin the most recent one that he brought over from Oklahoma City. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I know these guys. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some expert or anything that knew who these guys were before they even signed for the Knicks. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not that guy. But, of course, if you're linked to the Knicks and you get a job for the Knicks, you already know it's really easy to do research up on these guys and just see what their track record is like. I really like that Leon Rose took his time hiring these guys. He didn't rush into any of these hires, really. He really took his time. He made sure that he had his that he gave his offers to the guys that he wanted, and he made sure that they wait on the offer. And it looks like they all accepted. They all want to come to the Knicks, and they want to help him turn this team around. That has to be something that we really need to take into consideration Leon Rose didn't come in here and then within a week he already hired like five different people he fired all of these guys he didn't do any of that I really applaud him for it I do think that when the time comes hopefully he cleans house this is something that he needs to do something that the Knicks as an organization need to do we know Phil Jackson tried to do it he had a little bit of a setback with Dolan Dolan gave him some limitations. He didn't let him hire everybody that he wanted to hire. He didn't let him fire everybody he wanted to fire. But at the same time, you know, if if Leon is given this power and he can fire some of the guys that have been here for a long time and just haven't produced anything for us, really, within the front office, then that's good. I'm all for it. I really am. The first hire that Leon Rose made was Brock Otter. He brought him over from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the word that everybody just keeps saying is that he's a capologist. Everybody just keeps saying this word. And I know us Knicks fans, we've heard this word a thousand times now when talking about Brock Aller. I know that during his time with the Cleveland Cavaliers, 
He was very well known for maneuvering his way around the salary cap and being able to create space and, you know, helping the front office make some trades in order for them to acquire LeBron James for a second time. That was obviously a big deal. And of course, he played a really big role in that because without him helping them and telling them what trades to make and what moves to do in order to create the cap space in order to bring LeBron, which is the biggest piece of them all, then LeBron's return probably would have never happened. I've seen some people try to say that some of the moves made by the Cleveland Cavaliers are a little bit questionable. Most notable, it had to be the Tristan Thompson deal, the Iman Shumpert deal, and J.R. Smith's contract as well. Brock Aller was promoted into the role of Senior Director of Basketball Operations for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So his role on the team primarily was he was responsible for assisting with roster management contracts and free agency negotiations. So, of course, he had a say on getting these players together and bringing them onto the team. But if you ask me, I know those contracts in hindsight probably don't look that great. But if you ask me, it worked out. The money was worth it. They paid the money. They paid what they had to pay. LeBron got his guys paid, and they won a championship. Say what you want to say, but at the end of the day, they won a ring. That's the ultimate goal, and they won it. Now, for the Knicks, Brock Otter is, it, it looks like he his role under Leon Rose, it looks like he's going to be our vice president. Everything that you read and that you see, it looks like Brock Otter is going to have a lot of say on the team. It looks like he's going to help Leon Rose build and construct the front office and which executives they should bring into the team in order to help construct the actual team, the coaching staff, the players they bring in, who they draft, and stuff like that. It looks like Leon Rose is really going to lean on him a lot in order to make these decisions. We all know that Leon Rose is probably going to have to lean on a lot of guys because this is new to him. He was an agent. He was a player's agent. He was never he never had a role within front offices of the NBA, and now he's the president of basketball operations. So this is all new to him. The second hire that Leon Rose made was Walt Perrin of the Utah Jazz. I want to get into Walt Perrin right after I talk about Frank Zanin. I think there's a lot more to talk about Walt Perrin. I think he's the more intriguing hire. Personally, at least that's how I, I feel. Frank Zanin was hired as the assistant GM of player personnel for the Knicks. He worked for Oklahoma City under Sam Presti. For the last three to four years, everybody knows Sam Presti. He is one of the top execs in the NBA. So anybody that works for Presti just has to know basketball and they need to know what they're doing. I don't I don't think anybody sees Sam Presti and thinks, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. Sam Presti is very, very well known. I know I myself would love Presti as the Knicks president. Obviously that didn't happen, but if you could get somebody from if you could get somebody from the Presti tree onto the Knicks, that's just a plus. You're getting somebody that knows what it's like to work for a great organization. Oklahoma City has always been a good team. 
even this season where we thought, I'd say we because I thought that they weren't going to be that good. I really didn't think OKC was going to be that good, especially after trading away Paul George and Russell Westbrook. It's real hard for a team to try to rebuild and become a competitive team and to do it just as fast as they did literally in one offseason. That's almost unheard of. And now we got one of their guys into our front office. It's a pretty big deal for me, I think. And now to touch on Walt Perrin. Walt Perrin spent 19 years with the Utah Jazz as vice president of player personnel. He was one of their main scouts. He worked mostly on scouting college players. If you have if you have time, I suggest you you look up Walt Perrin and his resume. You you can even look him up on YouTube. There are great videos of Walt Perrin interviews where he talks about his approach to the draft. I really like how he talks about the draft and he he just looks like a guy that the Knicks have been needing for a long time as well. We all heard horror stories of Phil Jackson falling asleep during draft workouts. That that that's mind boggling, you know, like you can't you, you can't have one of your top guys doing that. So to have Walt Parent who people say that he works out at about a hundred players during draft workouts is pretty insane, you know? You usually hear about teams working out a handful of players or players within the range of where they're going to pick. No, he likes to work out a lot of players. And his main reasoning behind it is he likes to keep connections with the players, their agents, and you just never know when you might come along this player again or when that connection might come again with the agent. And so I just, I, I really like that about Walt Perrin. It's almost a similar situation to Frank Zanin. If you could get a guy from an organization that has been good for a long time, that's a plus for this team who has been needing some type of stabilization from top to bottom. In his 19 seasons with Utah, he they only selected within the top five of the draft three times. Now, it is very important to take into consideration. No GM, no president is ever going to... is. They're never going to be 100%. It's like in baseball. You know, you're never going to bat 100. You're never going to have a perfect resume. Of course, they've missed out on some plays. But his resume with Utah speaks for itself. I, I do think that it's pretty impressive that they've always found a way to get good players even in the middle of the draft or in second rounders or towards the end of the first round that's pretty impressive because if you have a good team like how Utah is right now they're a good team they're gonna get these middle to late first round picks you need to be able to have good scouts and a good team that is gonna help you identify the talent and the players that fit well with your team of those three top five picks you can debate them amongst yourself the three players that were selected was Darren Williams and Cantor and Dante Exum Dante Exum I believe was pick number five Darren Williams of course is the most notable of those three players he turned out to be a really good point guard there was a time where there was a big debate about who's the better point guard him or CP3 I think that was a good pick for them. 
and then just some other lottery picks that they have added to the team throughout his time includes Chris Humphreys, Gordon Hayward, Alex Burks, Trey Laos, and most recently their most notable or I guess biggest player that they have is Donovan Mitchell. They got Donovan Mitchell with the 13th pick. They actually traded up for Donovan Mitchell. And and a lot of reports suggest that Walt Perrin actually had a big say on the pick of Donovan Mitchell. He was a really big fan of Donovan. He worked him out even though he was projected to go a little higher than where Utah was selecting. But he worked him out anyway because he was really intrigued with Donovan Mitchell's game. And it just goes to show, you know, like, he takes his job real serious. And he had a pretty big voice with Utah in order for them to identify talent and bring good players to the team. Some notable players that were not in the lottery have to be Rudy Gobert, Paul Millsap, Rodney Hood, Mo Williams. Rudy Gobert was picked with the 27th pick in the first round during the 2013 NBA draft. It is also pretty well known that Walperin had a big say on bringing Rudy Gobert to the team as well. So if you think about it, he really helped construct that team because Utah Jazz, they built the team around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And just like I said, I really like the hire. I, I do think that we've been needing someone like that, especially for the state of where the Knicks are right now. We need executives in our front office that are going to value draft picks and value young players the Knicks have a young core they have to continue developing these players I think that these three hires just gives us a little bit more insight on Leon Rose and what his plans are for this team I do think that he will prioritize drafting and bringing in young good players I really hope I'm not wrong about that. Of course, he has not spoken to the media. He has not spoken to, I guess, to the fans directly. He only wrote a letter. But from what these three hires can tell me is I do think that he is going to try his best to continue emphasizing youth and bringing in good players. Captain Scott Perry. Of course, I already spoke about Scott Perry on one of my previous episodes. I I don't know what their plans are right now. I really just hope that their plans include youth and not just star chasing. I hope Leon Rose sticks to the plan of developing the youth and not just give up on them. That would be very typical Knicks. It's pretty mind-boggling that no Knicks rookie has received a second contract from the organization for the past 20 years. It is what it is. Let's hope the Knicks can actually learn from their mistakes and that they can head into a new direction. We all just have to wait and find out. This pretty much wraps it up for today, guys. I want to say once again, thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. And if you made it this far, I'm finally on Apple Podcasts. If you can leave a five-star review and leave a good review for me, I truly appreciate it. I want to... Really, really just want to emphasize thank you so much to everybody that listens. It means a lot to me. I do this for fun. This is a hobby, and and I really love the Knicks. There's probably not much else that I'm really passionate about, and so just thank you, everybody that listens, and 
Have a great one. Please stay safe. Stay indoors. And until next time, peace. We are the New York Knicks.